You're listening to the City Lights Sermon Podcast, where we are equipping you to exalt Jesus and extend the kingdom of heaven right where you are. Thanks for joining us. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Jeremiah 29. We'll get there eventually, kind of like we got, we're getting to the property eventually. We'll get to this passage eventually. When I was 15 years old, uh, I met a guy named J.D., and I had never met a person like him before. He was, I think, about five years older than me, and I just was captured by his personality, his, uh, the way he would talk, the, his energy for life, his excitement, his passion, and the thing that was the most troubling about this guy was that uh, when I asked him where all this was coming from, he pointed upward and he said, it's God. And I went, oh no, because to that point, my idea of God and Christianity was so stale and unpassionate. Uh, I didn't grow up in a form of legalism or fundamentalism with, with Christianity or God or religion, like a, a sense of like, you have to do this or that. But I had this idea of God that he probably was a judge in the sense of a right and a wrong. And I had chosen to do a lot of things that people like my parents and teachers and police officers told me were on the wrong side. And so I just envisioned I need to keep my distance from God. And as long as we are, you know, know about each other, but keep away from each other, everything will be good. And he can do what he wants and I can do what I want until I met JD. And I went for the first time in my life, sincerely, for the first time in my life, I went, I think I want a little of what you have. And as, a, as an artist, we tend to create our own paths for better or for worse. But when I saw him, I went, I want to borrow some of those tools. I want to know where you're getting these resources. And when he pointed up and pointed to God, I'm like, stink, no, there's no way. And then I started to challenge him like, no way. That's, but your humor is X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. He goes, yeah, that's because I understand that life is a lot lighter than I realized. And he started to have all these explanations. And I was like, no, no, no. And I, I literally would say that to him. And he could just go back and forth with me real fast like that. We could process real quick. And over a couple of weeks time, eventually he wore me down with his, with really just the beauty of his knowledge and his lifestyle. And I, I realized, I kept doing comparing and contrasting, and I realized he has so much more than I do. And the difference maker he kept telling me was that he has a relationship with God. And so for me, I would say that J.D. Greer has been one of the best extensions of what God is like I've ever seen on earth through a human being. It genuinely, his, just his life, his interest in me, actually led me to trust my life into God's hands. And that was, you know, a couple decades ago, a few decades ago. But for me, uh, that was a changing point in my life where I, I thought through everything differently. I processed everything differently. I lived life differently. Because everything now was, however JD was doing it, it wasn't trying to be JD, but he just, he taught me and discipled me and equipped me. He equipped me, he said, Chris, everything for me is about God and, and I want to equip you to live that lifestyle out. And I kept going, well, I love the way you extend it. I love how the way you live out there. He's like, it's all rooted back into him. And I kept saying things like, I didn't use the word like, would you equip me to exalt Jesus so I can extend his kingdom? However, as I've matured and started to really fall in love with language, that's the language that defines this church community. We really believe that five years ago, this group of people was planted by another local church in the city because they saw that our time when we would actually open the scriptures and worship and care for people was connecting and caring for people that that church couldn't connect with and couldn't reach. 
And so over five years ago, the elders and pastors sat me down and said, we want you to launch a church, and that's what this is. And the reason they said that is because the way that you are, they didn't use this language at the time, the way you're extending the kingdom of God is so attractive to some people, and they're coming out of places we've never even seen or known to look, and they're coming to fall in love with Jesus. And it sounded just like my experience. I was like, wow, that's pretty special. So the goal was from the, the, our commissioning church, go start a church that extends the kingdom like that. Again, not their words, they've become our words, living out. And how, how do we extend a kingdom like that? JD, how do you do this? Where's this coming from? He's like, it's coming from God. Like, what do, you, what do you mean? I know about God. He goes, no, 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 no. Let me equip you to actually know who God is. And those things are just fruits. You know, like, uh, I don't know that a tree, I've never heard a tree like grunt trying to produce like an orange or an apple. I don't know if they're like, mm, you know, also it's like pop, pop kind of thing. So it's, it's not like that. Really, the things that I saw in J.D.'s life, I would call fruit. They were just natural from where he was rooted. These are things that came out of his life. So if you've been here for five years or you've been here for just today or recently, you know that we're rooted in our relationship with God. And he's given us the scriptures that guides us and directs us like a beautiful map to be people who understand who we are and whose we are. And if we understand who we are and whose we are, then it would be right for people in our city to not only come up as us, to us as individuals, which I believe has been happening. People will come up to you and say, hey, tell me about this and tell me about that and why this. And when that, went ha- and then that happened, you responded this way. And I've heard your guys' stories come back and, and it's an opportunity for you to kind of do the JD thing. Well, God. And they're like, what, God? And they're like, well, let me just equip you with the God I know. One of the things that was really popular at, that, at Fellowship Greenville when I was there, I didn't start this, it's something I inherited with them, but I, I agreed with it. They said, you know, in the South, we're not so much introducing people to Jesus, we have to reintroduce them to Jesus. I love that language. That's what JD did for me. I think that's what a lot of you are doing right where you are. And to be candid, I've struggled with a church building a property, a building, because I love equipping people. But buildings oftentimes are just inanimate objects that sit and might host people well. But what if there could be a property that actually was so consistently hosting the joy and the gladness of God, so consistently extending the kingdom of God that people came around and said, what's going on? And everybody on that property and the reputation of that property could point to to Yahweh God. And people would go, what? No way. And we could equip those people to know our God. What if there could be a gathering of people that met on a property that actually was heaven meeting earth? The cool thing is, is none of these ideas are mine. They're not original with me. They're all Yahweh's ideas. So that's where we are right now today for such a time as this. I've been doing this as a career for over 20 years now. And when I was at Fellowship Greenville, we put together like an eight, $9 million building for the ministries I led. And it made me terrified because I think in part I knew I would not be there forever. And the other part was, should we spend that much money on a building we're gonna use for two days a week? And yet we put blueprints together and we didn't do that. And so now we're at a place where I hope we'll spend half that money and use it tenfold. That's where we're gonna go. I don't wanna give it away too much. That's the question I wanna ask though. I mean, if you're not familiar with our language, exalting Jesus, equipping you to live out your faith with Jesus so that you can extend the kingdom of God. And listen, it really does go in that order. The seminal value for us as a church is to be rooted in our relationship with God, not just a knowledge, just not information based on genuine relationship with God. In fact, all the scriptures are consistently pointing us to be reconciled and rejoined with God. And Jesus Christ has done all that. It's done by grace. 
Grace means it's a free gift to you. You don't earn it, therefore you don't lose it. It's a gift from God that we walk in. That's Ephesians chapter two. So we're a church that's trying to exalt Jesus. If that word's too uh, non-normal for you, non-turf, we're just consistently talking with God. I, I love how a lot of people at this church have said, you know, when we talk about exalting Jesus, we're really talking about like, just hearing from him and doing life with him, right? I'm like, that's it, yeah. So you can simply say, we're just people who are doing life with God and we're equipping other people to do life with God. And if those two things are happening, it's a fruit that happens when you go to Starbucks or you're, you're doing family life or athletic life or work life that the kingdom of God extends in that place. It, it's, it's expressed, it's on display. And so we set out as a church to be people who are exalting people to exalt Jesus. And if you've been here long enough, we don't tell you, go do this and go do that. It's rare that I'll ever really tell you, go do this except for a go depend on the Holy Spirit. And that's not gonna change. Because when we depend on the Holy Spirit, we're exalting Jesus. And if we equip you to depend on the Holy Spirit, then we're able to just produce the right fruits when we're out there. Do you guys understand that? That's simple. That's really the, the heart and the foundation of what we're doing as a gathered people here. That's what it comes down to. And our goal to this point, and will continue to be, is to equip people to do that. Our goal is not to have more programs. In fact, when we're about to talk about the property, it's not so we can host more things and do more programs. It's about equipping people to exalt Jesus so they can extend his kingdom. But now we envision a property that is consistently extending heaven on earth. And by the way, this is not a pioneering movement. I'm gonna talk about church history in a moment and world history, in fact. And you'll go, wow, the church has actually been some of the most stunning edge of the spear pioneers in history for the betterment of planet earth and society as a whole. Even though we might not experience it in the last couple decades, the history actually is there. So how could an extension of heaven then that's the question for this morning. How can an extension of heaven meeting earth influence a city like Greenville? That's why we are here in Greenville, South Carolina. My wife and I thought we'd be in New York City by now. We would plant a church up there and God kept us here and we love being here. And for such a time as this, I can say personally, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, but I have more friends who do not believe in Jesus and do not have a relationship with God, nor do they consider themselves religious or spiritual. I have more close friends who do not think and feel and believe the same way as I do than I've ever had in my entire life. So this question, and it, by the way, it's, it's not you guys in here. <laughs> you, I'm not describing you guys. <laughs> and you're all here this morning. <laughs> what? <laughs> what would it look like for your life to be extended has been a personal question. And now we're asking the question, and what would it look like if it would be on a property? Well, there's three things I wanna point your attention to. First one comes from Genesis chapter one, verse 28. And if you've been here for a while, you've heard this. But the first point I wanna make to you guys is simple. It's just, we extend partnership with God. How, do, how, how does a church, how does a person, or how does a church, a community, a people, a people group, how do they, how do they uh, influence a city? How do they influence the world? How do they influence a family? How does heaven come home? How does heaven go to the athletic field? How does heaven affect anything? God's design is it's gonna come through partnership with him. And Genesis 1, verse 28, actually describes very clearly what this partnership looks like. It's right here on the screens for you. God blessed them, Adam and Eve, creation, humankind. In the Hebrew, it's, he created mankind in plurality. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the heavens. Heavens, the Jewish people thought of it as three levels. So when they said of the heavens, they're talking about that next level of heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
the reason I point to this is because God intended this verse to be understood. And this statement, you know, we think of it as verses. This is a conversation that, that Adam and Eve, that God's created, were hearing from their creator and seeing from their creator. And he said, okay, I mean, this is the way we could sum this up very simply. God said, I've got everything set in motion. I've created every single thing that you see and everything you'll discover. I got this thing started. Now I'm handing it to you, my partner, and I want you to be fruitful multiply, subdue the things that need to be subdued and have authority over things that have authority. Be fruitful and multiply. And Yahweh God, Father, Son, Spirit is saying, as, as we have come together and created all things, you will multiply not only in numeral, numeral of humans, but all the things you see. And, and Adam and Eve were entrusted with a small area called an, uh, Eden. It was just a garden. And if you read that, that's 128. And if you read the last chapter in the Bible in Revelation 21 and 22, there's a garden city. How are we gonna get from a garden, your way, how are we gonna get from a garden to a garden city? Partnership. Garden city is what a lot of us probably describe as, can't wait till we get to heaven. Do you know that God intends for heaven to come to earth? Jesus left, as we most of us think and think about and use the description of heaven, Jesus left heaven and came to earth so that heaven could come to you and that you would be the meeting point of heaven and people, heaven and earth through you. And we will continue to equip you to do that and your family to do that. And as a collective, as a people, all of our effort and time and money and treasures and all those things are now going to be pooled in to say, let's come together and be fruitful and multiply in that place as partners of God. We do this through partnership. So the question would be, how could an extension of God's planned partnership with City Lights influence a city like Greenville? What would it look like if we as people really considered our partnership with Yahweh God? And I wanna call him Yahweh God for some of our time this morning because Yahweh in, in history, it was just four consonants, no vowels, and it's known as the ineffable name of God that was never spoken except for once a year by the high priest when he would go into the most holy and sacred place and he'd splatter blood and, as a sacrifice and he'd come out and if he messed up in there and didn't do something right, he was killed. It was a very sacred description for God. In fact, when a, a scribe would be writing out the Bible, when it came to write these four consonant letters, these four letters in the Hebrew, he would get a new pen and new ink and dip it and write those four letters and then destroy all pour out all that ink, get rid of it, and, and throw out the, the, the device used for writing so it would never be desecrated. That kind of holy. The reason I mention that is the church is in need, and this church is going to continue to go back to our roots of a God that's indescribable, ineffable, immeasurable, incalculable with the way that we worship, the way we love, the way we sacrifice, and the way that we're gonna build this property. You know Why? God doesn't really need our help, but the world does. And the church used to create some of the most stunning, beautiful things on earth. Yahweh built them and he said, use these things. And we as a church will be using these things. So what would it look like to partner with him in that way? The second thing I wanna say this morning is we extend wisdom with God. Exodus 20, some of you guys who grew up in churches or did like Bible sword drills or you do Bible trivia like you, some of you guys just did in like a city group or something. You might know Exodus 20 is where historically there's a passage called the 10 commandments. 
Now, the Ten Commandments sounds like laws of do's and don'ts, and it doesn't sound very exciting. It's not like, hey, you guys all want to come to my house tonight? I'm going to give you ten commands. And you're like, oh, you throw a great party, Chris. That's real fun. Is it a scavenger hunt? No, no, no. It's just rules, just rules and guidelines. And some of you are like, ooh, I like that. I'm going to learn how to do really well in his friendship. No, I, the reality is it's, it's been a perverted understanding, meaning uh, when, when these ten statements, it's called the Decalogue, actually, in history, in academia and scholarship, it's called the Decalogue, which simply just meant the 10 words of God, the 10 statements, the 10 statutes, the 10 wise conclusions of God. If we're people who will partner with God, we're partnering with two things specifically, his wisdom and the next thing is gonna be his beauty. Exodus 20, let me just give this in a little brief explanation. The top three of the commandments or words, which were words of life to the Jewish people, by the way, we're all about God. There's only one God, have no other gods before me, and really resist the temptation to build statues that you think look like me or represent me, like a fertility God. So they build a, a big cow and, and offer things to that as a representative. It wasn't like we want to create another God. They just wanted to create images. And, it's, and this church doesn't think that images is a problem. It's when you have an image, like if Izzy, one of our artists, created a painting and you guys started to bring like money and and drip bottles of your tears on it, would be like, what are you doing? That's what they were doing. But God was basically saying, if you think right about me, top three words, then the bottom five are all about one anothering. Hey, when you feel like killing somebody, don't do it. Now, you might think like, you know, don't murder, Chris. Yeah, yeah, here's the thing. Nobody had said don't murder before this. <laughs> so when you got me mad, I would just kill you. And if your wife was attractive to me for sexual relationships, I would go do that with her. And if you had something I wanted, I would go take it. So when God in his wisdom comes along and says, here's how you need to think of me. And when you think of me this way, you will approach other people in a respectful way. And you gotta understand, if you never had laws, like if we all had Lamborghinis and there was a very significant exit on a highway and we were pushing the limits to you know, 190 miles per hour, but there was no sign that said, you should probably slow down to about 27 miles per hour on this turn. We'd be like, oh man, let's see if I can take it at 150 and you would die. And so that sign helps you, teaches you something. So the wisdom of God is actually on display in Exodus 20. If you're doing math or you're thinking, I said three, uh, three, I'm sorry, it's three and six, and then there's one in between. Three about God, the next one is remember the Sabbath to, to keep it holy. Remember to rest. You know what rest does for the people of God and the way God designed it? It reorients you. And God said for six days, one another, the bottom six. Don't murder, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh yeah, I wanted to kill that guy. I shouldn't do that because that really makes a mess. Oh, I shouldn't do that. That destroyed that family. Oh my goodness, that person, I stole their stuff and they died. Or they lost this. Like, it's just, it seems, it seems harsh, but it was common sense they didn't have yet. Rest, after six days, you rest and all your resting is, is reorienting to you, not with how to do all these things. That's what people did. They made it religion, like do and don't, do and don't. It was more about who is God, who is God, who is God. So for a day, they would immerse themselves in the who is Godness. And they would think with the wisdom of God and then live it out. And so that's why resting, and I'm not even necessarily talking about a literal Sabbath that on Saturdays you should go into a Sabbath and rest, but I am saying a regular resting and running is biblical. If you're like, I'm too busy for God to rest, God's not leading you to be busy. Because God in his perfection, before fall or before any, re any corrective, rested. 
Before anything came to be, after he created everything, he rested in it. Not because he was tired, but he said, it's time to enjoy this now. Don't be stressed and burdened by these things. I don't know if you know this, but the wisdom of God on display on the earth has created some of the most fascinating and helpful things in history. By around 300 um, AD, I think you guys know if you're historians or church historians, meaning you just study that, Constantine, one of the rulers in the world, said that Christianity should be a predominant, true, effective religion, that Jesus is the Christ, that salvation and restoration with God is found through Jesus in this practice of following Jesus, receiving his Holy Spirit. It was a significant moment in history. Now, that's not a contribution necessarily that that the church gave to the world just yet, but here's what's so interesting. Do you know one of the primary reasons that Constantine did that for the Christian religion? Because right around that time, all the, quote, worship houses and senators where people would come were receiving lepers, diseased, outcast, children that were discarded, uh, and, and wives and women who were discarded. They would receive all these people, and they would take care of people who had rare diseases that they were so rare and no one knew what to do with them. These people were outcasts and couldn't be around anybody. The church was receiving them. Do you know what that ended up being called? A hospital. Do you know that the first hospital that we now, like Greenville Memorial, do you know where the pioneering movement of Greenville Memorial came from? The church. A secular outsider emperor went, those people who worshiped, you know what? There was a decree made. (laughs) Every Christian cathedral should have a hospital in it. They already did, but he said, this is official religion. It's so effective We should allow them to care for people. So diseases like leprosy. So realize this, how did they get there? Because Jesus went and touched people that could not be touched because they were so confusingly outside. Whether that's sexual sin or just a disease of the body, it was like that person's scary looking and smelly. Jesus broke right through those social barriers, the disease barriers, the mystery of disease and illness, social outcasts, all came from the wisdom of God. Now, there was practice of hospitaling prior, but it was done by sorcerers and people who would figure out how to cut and paste things and people. And it was actually done from other religions. Christianity, specifically the movement, both Catholic, the the universal church underneath Jesus, are the pioneers of hospitals. It's a good idea. That's the wisdom of God. What would a world look like if they partnered with the wisdom of God? hospitals, lepers no longer being outcast, but being healed. And in these cathedrals, they both practiced, they, they literally the pioneers for medicine and healing prayer. That's like if you went to First Baptist of Greenville, it was also a hospital where worship took place. But they would worship in their, their separate times, but then the other times the doors were open to receive all kinds of people to heal them. I'm not making this stuff up. This is crazy talk. We're not pioneers. We're, we're just returning. Do you know that the Bible, when it was being published, they decided to publish the Bible in a pioneering codex, a physical form, so that it would be different from the paganistic cultures and things. But when the Bible decided, they decided to use a different form of papyrus, that caused this form of writing to just revolutionize how publishing worked and circulation worked. 
So much so that when we found the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are from the first century, they were, they were kept, after 2,000 years, they were kept fine. They were in jars out in the elements in Israel, and we found them, and they were still, they were still functional and working. Why? Because the church actually pioneered publishing. And this is not a diss, and I have great friends who actually own Christian bookstores, but the Christian bookstore is not the beauty and the wisdom of God on display very often. I'm not going to get into all of this, but you know that there wasn't a category called Christian fiction and nonfiction. You go to Barnes & Noble now, there is, or any bookstore, there's something called nonfiction and fiction, which is the entire world's writing, and then there's a Christian section. And to be candid, I'm a writer, I'm an artist. Most of the time, the quality is severely different. The art of the church in the last, it's about 50 years, has just continued to decline. It was a time when Billy Graham, when he would write on true spiritual things, was the number one selling author in the world. An evangelist representing partnership with the wisdom of God. This is not me dissing on Christian bookstores. I just, I'm, we'll get some redeemable points. Education, very much primarily due to Christianity. In, in fact, if you look at some of the main universities in our country and you go back to the original roots, you're like, wait, that's a Christian institution? Because bringing people in these hospitals and bringing them education and giving them tools to read with, even the government, and government goes back to Old Testament, the whole idea of you shouldn't just decide what's gonna happen, get a third party to judge over you to help you understand how to govern things. That is, that's part of our heritage as well. And I, I think one of the prize things, these things are very important, but social justice, if there's an area that, we're not gonna open a hospital, by the way, that's not where I'm going. We have great hospitals. The church, church doesn't need to own and do all those things. They just need to fill the world with it, fill the earth with things that are beneficial, that represent the beauty and wisdom of God. They don't have to be, quote, ours. We bless them and we, and we help. Social justice, women and children, Christianity really truly was the tip of the spear for that. And we still need help today. I would say social justices in government and caring for orphans and education are ways that we have and will continue to be partnering with God. So how can an extension of God's wisdom through City Lights influence a city like Greenville? And last, what would it look like if, if we are people who extend beauty with God? What would it look like if we were people who extended beauty with God? Exodus 25, verses one through nine. I'm just gonna read these for you. It's a simple reading. Right after the, the Decalogue, the 10 words, like, oh my goodness, you're so smart, God. These are great ideas. And I'm working, I'm running, and then I'm resting. And when I rest, I'm reoriented with you, and then I run again. I don't really wanna murder as much anymore. Not because I'm trying not to murder, but when I'm with you, I figure things out differently. I don't have to murder, I don't have to covet. I don't even have to live this way anymore because you're the living God, you're right. That was the intent. God didn't just put his wisdom on display, he also put his beauty on display. Listen to this. Chapter 25, verses one through nine, Yahweh said, the ineffable God said to Moses, the, the leader of God's people, appointed person, speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. Meaning, tell everybody, okay, we've got the wisdom of God. And they're like, what does God want next? He's like, he goes, I wanna create something beautiful. So bring these resources in so you can create it. Here we go. From every person, man, it says man, because again, the scriptures, as you continue to read, pioneers the identity and the respect that needs to be given to women and to men. <clears throat> From every man whose heart moves him, 
you shall receive the contribution from me. Anybody who is stirred up to join with the 10 words, the wisdom of God, join them with a willing heart into the beauty of God is where he's about to get. Receive a contribution. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarns. Some of you are like, well, I can do that part. (laughs) Well, just because we can go to the store and do it. They actually had to go and pull off trees to form fibers, to form thread. You're like, ooh, that's hard. That's not it. Blue, purple, and scarlet are some of the darkest colors. They'd have to go across the country and go pull shellfish out of the ocean, extract all the fluid inside of it, which would be the dye that they would dip all these threads in so that those threads then could be wound up and then those threads would be pulled through as tapestry and be basically the resources to be an artist. Instead of going to Michael's Arts and Crafts, you'd literally have to go and find all these things to even create any kind of art. So if you have gold and silver and bronze, you might be the lucky one on that one. Blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen and goat's hair and tanned ram skins and goat skins. Freddie, this sounds good for you, man. You got all that stuff. Acacia wood and the wood right there. Oil for the lamp, spices for anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod, for the breast piece. That's what the priest would wear. He would wear, it's an outer garment that he would wear. It's an inner garment that he'd wear underneath his like big robe, there would be literally just bling. Just, just, that's like what our rappers wear, but not like that at all. But it literally be just fine stones. He's like, I want the people who represent me to look like my kingdom. The beautiful things on earth, I want them to wear it. It's just all about beauty right here. And let them, verse eight, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. What? Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furniture, you shall make it. What would it look like to partner with God in the area of beauty? Um, do you know if you type in, and just study this on your own, type in the, most, the 10 most stunning pieces of art in history. Now, if you, you're gonna see things like architecture or neighborhoods, but I'm talking about art as in, not that those things aren't art, they're totally art. I'm talking about painting and sculpture. I'm talking about the last six, 700 years. Do you know who commissioned the most well-known and famous, most breathtaking pieces of art in the world? The church. One of the most stunning displays I've ever seen in my life. I studied this, and then when I was in my early 20s, I was able to go to Italy and stand in this room where the Sistine Chapel is. It, it's actually, scale-wise, I think it's a little bigger than this room. Um, it's just breathtaking, It's strange to be in a room that's huge with hundreds of people and no one can talk. It's breathtaking. Do you know whose idea this was? The church went and found the greatest artist on earth and said, we will pay you whatever it takes to express and extend the beauty of Yahweh. So that's like uh, the greatest artists, musicians, dancers, poets. Hey, I heard you signed a really good deal with, uh, with something. Like, oh man, I got the most lucrative deal. It's incredible. I'm gonna be able to create this and this. And they're like, wow, where did, who'd you get that deal with? That's amazing. The church. What? Yeah, that's like John Mayer. And, and, and we love our musicians, but the world's greatest literally saying, hey, I got a new gig and it's amazing. They're like, wow, who are you going on tour with? City Lights. <laughs> what? They just believe that God is ineffable and indescribable. And since my sounds, my art, my poetry, my thinking 
seems to be, as the world describes it, the most pioneering and out there, they said that's the one that glorifies God more than the one that is simple and not costly. We're not doing new things. I'm at least enough a historian to go, whoa, we're not trying to be trendy. We never have. We don't want to be hipster. I just want to go back to Genesis 1, 28 and go, okay. And then learn from the passages on the way where they lost their way and how they stayed on that way so we could be living that way. You guys know David, most famous sculpture. Do you know one of the most famous paintings? Sistine Chapel is a lot of paintings. You know, this is one of, regarded as one of the most famous paintings, Leonardo da Vinci, The Last Supper. All church commissioned. <laughs> the church, that blows my mind. My wife loved when I finally went on staff at Fellowship Greenville because she said for the first time, and that was after uh, 10 years of pastoring that time, she said for the first time in my life, I feel like this church loves you because of your gifts, not in spite of your gifts. And this church, this house, I would say to this pinnacle moment in my life has caused me not just to feel comfortable with living out my faith in this personality and body and art, but to go further with it. And I genuinely believe we're on the edge of not pioneering, frankly. We're pioneering if you look at what's going on in the country in the last hundred years. We're just recovering all the things that God said were very good. We're partnering with the wisdom and beauty of God. So how could an extension of God's beauty expressed by City Lights influence a city like Greenville? How could a partnership with God extend beauty and wisdom? Jeremiah 29, I said we'd get there eventually. Let me read Jeremiah 29, verses four through seven. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So uh, I'm not, this is not a teaching morning, it's more of a presentation morning, but ultimately these people were not in their home. We have not been in our, quote, home. For the last 10 years, the ministries I've led in the city have never had their own building. Uh, we rent things, and we're about to move from renters to owners and stewards. And so this, uh, not, we're not exiled. This is a great place we live in, but um, this language seems to fit quite well. And that's not the point of this passage, but continuing. Verse five, this is so huge. Where, where you are positioned, where you're exiled, it's a better word, where you sojourn, where you're passing through because we're all residents of heaven when, when, when the, the living God comes to live in that garden city. But to get to that garden city, to get to the garden city, let me say it again, to get to the garden city in Revelation 21, 22, he says, then do this where you are. Build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce and get married I know it says take wives, get married and have children <laughs> and have children, marry children, not in the same family, just making some points here. <laughs> Multiply there and do not decree. The, the, the tendency is, and I, I, I wanna confess, as the leader of this community, there's times when we have not done this last part. I promise. Multiply there, do not decrease. As you are not in the place you wanna be and you're not in the place where you should be, Build houses that are built on foundations that can weather all the elements of life and go into the ground and plant things so you can eat from those things and settle and meet your neighbors and introduce them to, to someone they might marry. Do not dare decrease while you're waiting for the day to come. It's Genesis 1. 
but they're in exile. <laughs> and he sent them in exile to say, I wanna show you how to live wherever you're at. Don't live in the past, don't live in the future, build houses now, plant gardens now, get married now. Some of you are like, amen on that one. Get married now, stop the hang on decrease, multiply. You know how? Verse seven, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to Yahweh on the city's behalf. For in the welfare that the city gets, you'll find your welfare. <laughs> you know what that means? If you can put that, the Hebrew stuff up on the screen. The word welfare means complete. It's the, the, the Hebrew word shalom, peace. You know, in Aladdin, like, ah, shalom and good evening. It means wholeness and peace. It's to wish, it's to wish completion and no, no brokenness. So wherever you are, build a house make a garden, celebrate weddings, multiply like crazy there. How do we do that, God? Oh, by just helping the city be complete and whole. Oh, you mean like more churches? Schools that are teaching and loving and restoring children and helping those families and making sure they have their basic needs and, and helping every single part of society be whole. The garden city is not gonna be a place that's absent of productivity and art and beauty and buildings and family and laughter and music and, and, and discoveries. It's gonna be full of a, a huge prism of rainbow of, of technicolor. He says, do you, I mean, do you realize? How do we do that, God? Seek to complete the city so they'll have no brokenness. It'll be full. Seek the shalom of the city and the city's gonna help you shalom. Little confession, I've been offered more hundreds of thousands of dollars by people who are not Christian and do not go to this church for our property, not to buy it, but to help us than I have by this room or anybody that's ever been in it. And that's not an assault to you because this is the first day we've ever asked. But I've tried to live with the Holy Spirit this way, partnering with God for beauty and wisdom. And when I just talked to somebody this last, just a few days ago, and they wanna help us build out this property because they said there's nothing in Greenville that's anything like it. And this person, trust me, does not have a relationship or know the love of God. They're learning it, they're tasting it. Seek the peace and the completeness of the city where I've sent you. How could an extension of God's presence with city lights through city lights influence, how could it influence a, a city like Greenville? Acts chapter two, I'm about to show you all the renderings of the property. You're like, are you just preaching today? I'm about to show you everything. Acts chapter two, I'll, I won't, you know, if, I, if I'm right here, I'm gonna teach every word, but if I'm over here, I can do it. Acts two, uh, the Holy Spirit comes on the church, 3,000 people are saved, and the non-believing people that are not religious, not spiritual, not church people are watching these people who say Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. He loves, 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 he loves you, he saved you. And in verses 42 through 47, it says that the people found favor with outsiders in the world. Bill Hybels writes about it in one of his books 20 years ago, and he said, the church originally was so captivating that people would find out where the church was meeting that were not Christian people, and they'd bang on the door because their lifestyle was so favorable. That word favor in the Greek in chapter two, verses 42 to 47, it talks about an inward and outward goodness. You know what those two things are? 
wisdom on the inside, beauty on the outside. <laughs> it's so simple. Lord, how did we miss this? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> you guys ready to have the door being banged on every day? I've heard people go like, you can't have a church that's open every day. I'll sound like a preacher. Well, God's house is open every day. We can, okay, so. Revelation 21. <laughs> Revelation 21. I'm just gonna read it. 21, two through six, nine through 11, 22 through 26. Here we go, listen. Pull your socks up, it might fall off. Verse 221. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man the presence, the beauty, the wisdom with the partnership. God will dwell with them and they will be his people on the property. Now I'm not talking about city lights, I'm talking about the property, earth is his. And God himself will be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will die. <laughs> It'll be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Crying because of misery will be gone, but crying like when I saw Jerusha when we got married at 20 and I cried so loud. She just told the story some the other day. There was a live trumpet behind me and people couldn't hear that because I was crying so loud. And she was like, it was really frustrating. It was my moment and everyone just kept staring at Chris because he was crying so loud. <laughs> I didn't ask permission for that, babe, sorry. Verse five, and he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things not all new things, all things new. We've got all the resources we need. And he said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give them from the spring of water. No payment. Verse nine. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, I'm not teaching on that right now. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb of God. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, having the glory of God, its radiance like the most rare jewel, like Jasper. You know, Jasper Furnace is one of our worship leaders. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I actually thought about using that as our branding, just his face, but clear as crystal. Verse 22, I saw no temple in the city though. For its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Just a side note. We really don't have a, a building or a property. So when people say, hey, I wanna, I wanna go to the church with you after talking with you, you go, hey, we've, we don't need to go to a, some temple. When Jesus met with a Samaritan woman and she was caught in her sin, she's like, I'm a Samaritan woman. I'm not allowed to go to the primary religious temple. Where should I make an offering? He said, sweetheart, there's a day coming and now's the day when worshipers will worship my God, my father in spirit and truth. It's not about a physical dwelling place to be right with God. It doesn't forbid us for having property, but it also doesn't isolate a property to be only used for the sacred when everything is sacred because everything is his. The city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it 
for the glory of God gives its light. And its lamp is the lamb. I really want that to be our power source. We could save a lot of money on stuff. (laughs) By its light, listen to this, by its light, the nations will walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory to this place. And its gates will never be shut by day. And the throne, there'll be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. My friend, you are a partner with God. This church is partnering with God and we're partnering with God to express the beauty and the wisdom of God. So I give you the first image. This image was birthed before we read this passage, but we've been reading the scriptures for decades and so I'm sure it was in there somewhere. But this is the logo This is the branding logo for what we now call Swamp Rabbit Crossing. Swamp Rabbit property is really just the way we've described it until it's been able to receive its name and know who it is. Um, I didn't just get like weird on you. Swamp Rabbit Crossing. Swamp Rabbit Crossing is a a location. It's 13 acres on the Swamp Rabbit Trail. We have over a thousand linear feet of the trail running right through our property, in fact. Uh, I'll show you that. Micah, why don't you show us the master plan? Just for a moment, get ahead of myself. Here's the Swamp Rabbit Trail. This building is over 300 feet long. This is the trail. We own this property, and we own this up here as well, and then we own all this. We've been entrusted with all this. Can you go back to the diamond for a moment? A couple comments. One, I want you to become familiar with this, but this diamond came up last. The name came early. Um, I talked with people who I've been interacting with who are in the world who do great things, some of the greatest things in our city and don't know Jesus. And they were really nervous about partnering with an actual church, but they loved the vision of the church. And something as simple as instead of calling the whole property City Lights, but calling it something for the city made them go from tentative to all in and wanted to help and give us money to do it. The diamond eventually came out. So Swamp Rabbit Crossing, the diamond came out later. But there's a history. So if you're not familiar, and a lot of people aren't, but the Swamp Rabbit Trail is actually because there used to be huge textile mills in our city. You guys are familiar with some of those. Textile mills, you know that Greenville, South Carolina used to be known as the textile center of the world. All textiles went from here out. We've tried to capture that era, the 1915 to 1932-ish era in Greenville and in the world. It's a, it's a design era called Art Deco. And so myself and other artists have collaborated to create these images for you. So there's a few iconic images. And if you notice, they're going to be triangular. So they're going to eventually take shape. But watch what happened. I started drawing in my office a couple months ago and just trying to figure these things out. And I I started with crossroads, railroads. And I was trying to figure out a modern way to communicate the railroad system and the mills having their time in, in history but are dissipating, and then running and cycling in the Swamp Rabbit Trail is a new pioneering thing. So eventually came up with a, a train in this, this uh, old school. It's not retro as far as like 70s. It's, it's the 1920s deco. And this is our rendering of the Swamp Rabbit um, logo, and that's cubism, which was popular around like right at the end of Art Deco era. It's one of my favorite artistic expressions. Picasso made it super famous. Running on the trail. So that we know that the history is that there was 
a railroad and they literally pulled up the railroad and made it a running trail and cycling trail. And on that railroad used to be those mills. Do you know to date in the upstate, we're the only entity that's a church that owns one of the mills. I just read an article about it two weeks ago. I was studying Greenville and it was like uh, Monaghan Mill, expensive condos, blah, 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 functioning still, functioning still. And then it just said, a church owns that mill. I literally didn't know if it was us, but I was like, that's the one we own though. So those things are, so I mean, it's just kind of neat. Swamp private. So at the base of that diamond, you're gonna see in a moment, those things are there. But what's, what's there now? Well, what's there now is we know we have running, we have cycling. So we saw those images on the Swamp Rabbit Trail. We have running, nice slim legs and really short shorts back then. And then we've got cycling. And we believe that as a, if we can go into do some of the architectural renderings now, Micah. We believe that as the city has given us the mills, James and Jenna mills, of course, yes, but the, the textile mills, and they've given us the railroad tracks and pulling up, and they've given us something called the Swamp Rabbit Crossing, or Swamp Rabbit Trail, which, by the way, is the, we're known as the number three outdoor city in the country, primarily because of this trail. And by the way, it might be good to mention, before we ever launched or met as a group to plant this church, we bought all this property by faith. We just went all in. It's pretty neat. This is 40,000 square feet. Here's where we'll be doing what we're doing right now someday. I'll show you some of these designs. But I just wanna zoom in. So what will we do here? You know, we have we had the railroad, we had mills, we had, now we've got the trail. What's gonna happen here? What's gonna be? Well, we're gonna continue to help people do cycling and help people do running. Let's go to our next image. This is coming off of the parking lot and headed in. Right here is something that we call Food Truck Alley. We've talked about putting restaurants inside the property so it could be open every day and people would come to this place and be able to experience hospitality. But ultimately, we decided to not give up space in here and actually designate space for, our goal is for food trucks to be parked there every day of the week, morning, noon, night, and even late at night as concerts and art exhibits and shows are happening all over the property, people would be able to enjoy those things in here. So we create an image for that to be part of the faceted, multifaceted nature of God and the multifaceted nature of our property. Drink, dine, that's a 1920s car behind there. Not a Doofenshmirtz, what's the 1920s car? Really, really, Duesenberg, something like that. That's what that car is, Doofenshmirtz, not from that cartoon. I like that cartoon. So we envision part of the facets of the future of the diamond looks like that, the diamond in the rough, the upside down kingdom. And then if we can go back to another architectural rendering. And this is the landing. So if I'm standing right here, the, the food trucks are behind me and I grab my food and I can walk right in. We call this the landing right now. To the right of this, it's the next image. We call this Riverside Green. That's called the fire pit. And so we have, uh, this is an enormous, you'll see it when we do the master plan, but this is a cul-de-sac fire pit out here for 30 some people to sit out here and enjoy. <clears throat> That's the boulder play area. We asked Greenville Rec, we've been partnering with them for five years and we've said, what do you wanna to bring to the city? And they said, please don't build any more big playgrounds outside. We're like, oh, okay, I thought that's what we're gonna do. They said, if you could have as much green space as you can and put a bunch of big objects so kids can run and jump off of those into the grass. If some of your parents are scared by that, that's what kids wanna do, they'll be okay. We actually envisioned some of our kids doing some of that. If you get your food truck food right here, you can go to Riverside Green right here David, when you're talking about Reedy and the Reeds, I almost renamed it, maybe we will. Um, you'll see this is a 400 person green area right on the river trail. 
and we'll do concerts out there and all other kind of things. I think we'll do um, sunrise service out there on Easter. It's gonna be stunner. So all of those things, um, if you can go to, go to the master plan for me, would you, bud? Right here, we're calling the auditorium right now the Commonwealth. If you study what Commonwealth means, it was an association, a band of people coming together and all investing in a common interest for the wealth, for the benefit of a, an area or a group. And so we are setting apart the 300, this is 750 seats in here, and we'll have maxes of 1,000 in here, and this down to maybe as many as 300. And we call this a Commonwealth because City Lights will meet at the Commonwealth on Sunday mornings for what we do, and if we do prayer gatherings or whatever, we can meet there every day of the week if we want. But if we're not meeting there, the greatest national acts can come in there. And I, Darrell, that's what I was talking about. I want to host the next uh, poetry slam. Is that what it's called? Poetry slam. Why wouldn't we be hosting that there? Are you kidding me? Because Darrell's going to win when he's at home. He needs his home court. Right here before you walk into the Commonwealth, it's a 300-person size art gallery. And you might be like, oh, why are you doing that? Well, it can be converted. We can knock it all down if we want to. But right now, it's going to be a passageway that you literally walk through stunning pieces of art to get into the worship center. This is a 30 by 30 room where we can, Thursday night, hey, we can all pray in there instead of my office, guys. Isn't that great? There's another one of those. There's another one of those. Over here for the kids, that's a 280-person children's auditorium for worship. Here are city kids' rooms. These are nurseries and city kids and little light rooms. Yeah, yeah, let's get fired up a little bit. I like that, huh? Nice, nice. This is where all the drinks can happen. We have coffees in here. I've got some really fun coffee ideas. They're just gonna be in here and open. And, and so look, here's the boulder play. You play out here, you come over here. Look at all the mommies sitting here under the umbrellas. The kids are jumping around on the soft grass. Here's the fire pit area. Here's food truck alley. Here's Riverside Green with a stage. And they just, wait, I told them some wish list things. And they gave us this athletic court up here. And then this little space, I'm like, oh, what's that gonna be like? Oh, that's a 400 person amphitheater like Clemson's. It'll tear down. I'm like, what? Well done. And so one of my favorite things they really paid attention to, we need a lot of parking. And so they did parking right here, but this is all additional parking. But if we, unless we have a full event here, we won't need it all. So they've left basically larger than a football field of grass that can also be parked on. Our, our architecture firm really, really listened well. And they must think some of you smoke because they actually designated a smoking area. I don't know, and for some reason it goes, I know you, you're gonna have people smoking there. I'm like, what? what? I, I didn't ask, I gotta clarify on that one. I don't know what that's all about, but anyway. Can you show me a couple of those last images for the architectural renderings? This is the Commonwealth imagery. So remember all those facets, all those triangles? Stephen, why don't you come up, and elders, if you guys would come on up, and Oliver, if you'd come on up too. So all those triangles together, remember, let's go ahead and look at that Art Deco image. So we've got running, railroads. Actually, the foundation is, let me just communicate like this. Railroad and mills, they had their day. They're, they're shrinking, you see? Swamp Rabbit Trail, it's not shrinking, but it's done what it's done. Now it's being used. We are taking our place and helping this recreational mindset grow. This is the food and drinking and dining. Sounds Carousey, that's not what we mean by that. That's Food Truck Alley. It's a destination place where people can enjoy. Some of the greatest things in the scriptures are around a meal, by the way. You know that? Celebrations and festivals. Commonwealth, I mean, I, I have no idea why this won't be the epicenter of creative arts for our city, state, and then country. All growing, but it all gets its beauty. As the kingdom of God is on the increase down here. These are just sound waves representing God the Father's voice who spoke in history, never took form. 
This is reflective of Jesus. You've got the Trinitarian mountains, the river of life, the tree that he was crucified on is now budding because it's resurrected. You have the Holy Spirit represented in these clouds. So there's threes and sevens all over the place and all the glory that's ever growing creates a garden city right here in Greenville, South Carolina. That's where we can get clappy. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please let us know by leaving feedback on our iTunes channel. We hope you've enjoyed Exalting Jesus with us.